everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gourmet. I'm so happy to be with you once again, bringing you the stories of another, the stories, story of, of another man who, another guy who has struggled with his weight and has faced some interesting challenges that we're going to get into. And uh, my guest tonight, his name is Ryan Lupka. And Ryan uh, reached a, a heaviest weight of, of 380 pounds and has has dealt with when Ryan and I were talking initially, he said that he, he never knew life uh, before he started losing, really kind of being successful at losing weight as not being an overweight person. So I think it's going to be interesting for us to talk about not only what his journey was like, how he has has addressed these problems, but also what's going on now and what are the challenges that come later on in the journey. So uh, sit back, relax, get yourselves ready, because here comes my guest, Ryan. Ryan, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm glad to have you here with us. For those people who are listening when this this comes out, you know, it's it's going to be end of the year. Uh, you, you're probably next one of my next to last recordings of, of 2019. So I'm excited to, to end the year on a bang. Uh, and let's dive right into your story, Ryan. Tell the listeners what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum. Uh, well, I think I am a thoroughly qualified former fat guy. Um, yeah, like you mentioned, I was at my heaviest weight. I weighed uh, about 380 pounds, and I'm 5'11", so you can you know you can do the math there. But um, I'm not sure what height actually. Now that I mentioned, I don't know what height constitutes 380 pounds, but um, in a healthy way. But uh, yeah, in any case, I'm you know I'm 27 years old, and for the first 25 years of my life, I was overweight and obese. Uh, and like you mentioned, I was. Um, you know, I never knew anything prior to being overweight. And, um, so, you know, growing up, you can look back at little kids photos of me and everything else. There's no, I mean, there are no photos of me that exist prior to the last year and a half or so where I wasn't overweight, even as a little kid, you know, that baby fat just turned into more and more. And I was, you know, you can see me, uh, through the years and my yearbook photos and everything else just, uh, always was the, the, you know, the chunky kid. And, and then that turned into, uh, some pretty serious obesity in middle school and high school, and then into my, my young adulthood years. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was, I had a pretty, a pretty typical childhood. You know, I've listened to many episodes of your, of your podcast. And I do want to take a second to say, I'm just so thankful for the work that you do with your podcast. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure um, that your the rest of your, your uh, listeners and audience really do too. I think it's really important work that you're doing. Well, thank you, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah. So it's a, uh, it, it's great to have a, a, a space for this sort of community of people to find the place to be vulnerable and to have some validation because, you know, as I'm talking about my own history, losing weight or had just growing up really overweight, like many people have, and so many more and more people do, um, you know, and, and I've listened to a lot of your episodes, some of the backstory, you know, for a moment you think like, wow, these stories all kind of start to sound the same. But at the same time, I think it's really important for us to discuss those backstories with each other because wow, it's, uh, you know, there are so many common things and it can kind of be validating. Like, oh, I thought I was the only one who experienced that. Or, oh, I thought that was just me who felt that way growing up or whatever else. But um, yeah, like you sort of alluded to, I, as I've already said, I, I grew up really overweight and had no no experience otherwise. And I always really dreamed as a kid, you know, I saw my peers really active and athletic and I saw my, you know, other boys and stuff getting attention from girls and things like that. Um, and I didn't necessarily perceive those kinds of things happening for me 
Um, and I was active as a kid, but not, you know, as, as an average kid might be, whatever average means. Um, but still, you know, as I got older, I started finding it much harder and harder to keep up with my peers. And, um, you know, I became more excluded from physical activities and things like that. Um, but that being said, it, it didn't necessarily, you know, it was normal to me. This was just typical. I was used to having to buy several sizes up from everybody else or have to, you know, when I was still a kid, have to shop in like the young adults section and clothes looked really strange and weird proportions on me because, you know, I needed more space in the middle and not so much vertical and all these kinds of things that I think are, are pretty typical for um, a guy growing up like that. And, you know, I had so many experiences growing up that just um, I found very hurtful and harmful in a certain sense. And just, you know, people being people, kids being kids and just being excluded from things um, because of being overweight. And, you know, I really did feel in a certain sense helpless, even though I certainly wasn't. And none of us are in the strictest sense. But I felt helpless growing up because, you know, uh, I had a loving family and loving peers. And even in my school, um, the phys ed teachers and things took notice of the fact that I was really overweight and tried to do some extra things to help me out. But, you know, this this was just a, a situation and I felt really helpless in. You know, so fast forwarding to going to college, you know, and, and like I said, toward the end of high school, I weighed around 380 pounds, um, which is staggering to me now, like thinking about uh, my current life and weighing 380. And then I went to college and I got, I lost a little bit of weight in college, actually trying to just be active. I'm like, okay, I'm an adult now. It's time to, you know, get a hold on this thing. Because in middle school, I was like, okay, when I go to high school, I'm going to have the weight loss before I'm a freshman. I'm going to like go into school. And it'll be done. And then high school, I was like, okay, when I go to college, I'm going to be, I'm going to lose that weight so I can go to college without it. And then the same thing over and over and over again, when I'm done with college, you know, it didn't happen. Um, and, you know, I felt like, you know, I'm seeing my friends. I've always had skinny friends, which is kind of a funny thing. My best friends uh, in, in high school and college are these skinny, skinny guys who just eat like a garbage can, you know, in my perception, you know, we don't know that stuff. Um, and I'm like, what is the deal? These guys are eating like this we're eating kind of the same thing. We have the same activity level in my mind. So what gives, like, why are some people having such a different experience? Um, and that was really challenging for me, but still, so I just proceeded on. I was like, well, I, it, it, I think subconsciously I felt that if, if this is going to have the same outcome for me, I'm not seeing any real results. I, I became sort of apathetic, I think about actually making a radical change that was necessary. And I think subconsciously, I started to make excuses for myself and sort of uh, uh, feel maybe not, I wouldn't necessarily say this, but I maybe sort of felt like a victim, like, oh, well, I have a really slow metabolism or um, I'm just genetically predisposed in some way to this or whatever else, whatever the case may be. Um, but yeah, in, in my first few years of, of working in, in the professional sector, um, I was te I'm a music teacher in public schools in New York City. And I had a good friend in my former school who was a very athletic guy. I mean, he was like a former professional soccer player. He was so such a good guy. His name is Oleg. And he would always encourage me, you know, in a very gracious way, trying to help me out, get healthier, eat better, be more active, things like that. So he tells me one day, he's like, you know, my wife lost like 40, 50 pounds. And, you know, for her, that was a lot of weight and made a really radical transformation. And he said, this program that she did, I think, you know, it really works. She really liked it. And you know, maybe you should talk to her. It might work for you. And at that point, I had tried so many things. I was like, well, this can't hurt to give this a shot. Like, why not? It doesn't hurt to just talk on the phone. Um, and that's when I 
that was a pretty life-changing conversation. I spoke to his wife and um, came to learn about the program called Optavia, which maybe you or some of your listeners might be familiar with um, as, a, as a popular weight loss program. Um, so I started Optavia and that was like, I, I can remember the day, like January 23rd of that year. And that's when I began the weight loss journey and, you know, lost 165 pounds in less than a year. And there, you know, that's was pr the pretty big, uh, transition point in my life. That that's wild, man. And the funny thing is honestly, un until you sent me your bio earlier today and, and, and mentioned what you would, what tool you would use to lose weight. I, I had actually never really heard that much about the program before. Um, so it's, it's interesting. It was very interesting to me because I was like, okay, I need to, I need to learn a little bit about this. So I have some idea what we're talking about. So I'm not, I'm not just, I'm not just nodding and going like, oh yes, oh yes. Um, and I, and I, and I saw it actually, I was like, wow, you know, it starts popping up on some pretty, you know, popular news. Show. Like I read something on like the Today Show website and there were a couple of articles about some famous people that have used that plan to some big success. And so it's, it's, I, I'm, I want to put myself in the, in the, the place of the listeners out there who might not have heard uh, of this plan. Um, so I, I do want to, let's, let's, let's talk, let's just talk about and take people through what it is so we can get that out of the way. Um, not out of the way completely, you know, but I, I cause I would also like to, I, I think you brought up some really good things in, in your backstory that I want to talk about too, but let's, let's first, just in case there's anyone who, who feels like they need to pause the podcast to do some Googling, <laughs> Give them, Absolutely. you know, your, your, your overview and perspective on, on what the plan is and, you know, what, what that was like for you. Sure. I mean, I had to do some Googling myself when I first heard about it because I, I had never heard of it. So the, the program is called Optavia. Um, and some people who have been, you know, sort of aware of the different things out there in the weight loss world, it is, you know, I'm not an expert on the company's history, but it is affiliated with a company that used to be called Metafast or maybe still is. And it's a, it's a it's a similar thing. Um, so basic, I mean, the basic thing is Optavia. You're you're buying food from them every month. So you buy a big box of stuff, and uh, it's pre-made things, and they call them fuelings. Um, I would like to, I would I would call them like a snack, really. Um, but that's the branded name is a fueling. And so these are pre-made things. Some of them require a little cooking or whatever, like a little hot water and you know things like that. But a lot of snacks, like little uh, things that are like a granola bar or similar to chips and and they're they're very specially formulated, you know. They're designed by nutritionists, you know, as I understand it. Um, and so you're eating. Most people go on a plan that's called the five and one plan. So you're eating five of these fuelings a day. You're eating every two three hours, uh, and then you have one meal, which uh, the, they like to call lean and green. So high in protein and high in vegetables. And there are you know there are careful portion parameters that you follow to do that. There's a lot of flexibility in what you can make. So. Um, in terms of what your meal is. So you're eating about six times a day um, and you're not doing any exercise, which I, <laughs> which I found very attractive because I've never been very active, um, like I mentioned before. And as you know, and a lot of people know, it can be, that can be one of the biggest obstacles to getting the ball rolling, so to speak, with weight loss is, you know, trying to be active when you really don't have a capacity for that much activity or, you know, trying to find something proportional for you. So there's no exercise when you're doing Optavia. Um, which is one of the things I, I thought was sort of too good to be true, but I didn't exercise on the planet and it really did work. Um, so that's basically how it works. You're, you're buying this, you get a box of food every month and you're eating those five fuelings and the one lean and green meal. 
Uh, I started eating a little bit more when I was on the plan because the coaches who I was, so that's another element of it is that, you know, Optavia is a multi-level marketing company, which is, um, so, sorry, we can, I mean, we can talk about that to, in a tour, you know, till the cows come home about what that has, that effect that has on the weight loss uh, journey in itself, the, the culture of working with a multi-level marketing company. But you have a coach who has um, theoretically done the program before you. So my coach, really wonderful lady, um, who had lost uh, a good amount of weight using the program. So she knows how it goes. And so they check in with you every week. And, um, you know, they're there to encourage you, provide some guidance, because the, the guidelines for what you can and can't eat can be a little mystifying and um, confusing to to go with um, or to follow along until you get acclimated. So your coach is a resource for that. It's basically how it goes. But yeah, I mean, I was just, I joke with people. I was like, all I, they're like, how did you lose all, all this weight? I was like, well, all I did was eat. That's, that's really it. Um, and you know, you're a, a radical uptake in your hydration, drinking as much water as you can, things like that. Um, you know, so I, when I started the program, the, I was like, you know, I have done so many things. I had a personal trainer for a time in high school and I had tried, um, different, uh, adjustments to my diet and like, you know, let me get a little bit less fast food. Let me eat some more salad or, you know, rabbit food kind of stuff, um, things like that. But, you know, the, the changes were never such that it wasn't a full lifestyle change was, is really what it boils down to. Um, and this Optavia program really is a significant lifestyle change. I mean, people don't typically eat like this. So to and I felt so good. I mean, I lost 10 pounds my first week, which is not uncommon, as you know, for that sort of uh, radical diet change but it just kept it was so consistent there wasn't a week where i didn't lose weight in the whole time i was using the program um so 10 pounds and then another six and six and then five five pounds the next week and very consistent so over the course of about 10 months i lost um 165 pounds and um it was it was really challenging in a certain sense i mean my body did not like it the first couple days um you know if you feel dehydrated and getting some headaches, but that goes away. And I felt really good once your, um, your body acclimates to it pretty well. And I felt really good doing it. And I, and I was very successful. I wouldn't, uh, I was a coach for a while too, full disclosure. Um, so I was making a little money on the side doing it, but, and I enjoy doing that. I really enjoy, um, supporting people who are on that same journey. Um, but it, it, for me personally, it's nothing against the company. It just became, uh, it just became more of a hassle than it was worth. And and also a lot of it is self-marketing. So you're talking about your own story a lot, which I'm happy to do. I'm very candid about that situation. But social media and things you see before and after posts constantly. And I didn't want to be the guy who used to be fat forever. You know what I mean? So in my in my everyday life, which is what it was becoming. Um, so that's in any case, that's kind of a tangent about the, the marketing element of it. But the, in terms of how the program works, that's it. You're eating and and uh, then you transition off the program. Uh, and I would, and I, you know, I'm not making money from doing it anymore, but I would, if it's, if that's something that a person finds it's right for them to do, I highly recommend it. I mean, it worked. That's all I can say. Sure. And I, I think it's interesting. Like one, I know there's probably people listening that are like, he did what he did. It, Cause you know, people hear words like multi-level marketing and, and, you know, prepared food and all of those things and start to go right to their place of, you know, I want to rail against that. I do X, Y, and Z. And I, 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 I think the, the key thing for people listening to understand is like we I, I've talked to guy, all guys who have used all different kinds of tools, you know, all you know, there's 
I honestly, like, I honestly believe almost any, any diet can work if it's a diet that you can live with and make work for you. So I absolutely, if you find something sustainable is, is really the key. And and that's, and like, I, I think I've got, you know, I have some specific questions that I'm just really curious about because I think about, you know, obviously you're not going to live on their, you know, the meals, you know, their fuelings for the rest of your life. So what was the transition right. like for you when you kind of reached the point where you're like, okay, now I have to transition into, you know, back into pre- kind of preparing your own food or, you know, pieces along those lines. Like what, what was that like? And, and was there support provided to you for that? And like, what, what, what were the challenges sure. that you went through um, figuring that out? Yeah, that is, that is a really good question. And that's what, that was one of the biggest questions people would ask when they would hear, you know, cause my colleagues and friends would notice they're like, wow, you're losing so much weight. And then the quit, you know, the logical follow-up is, well, what about when you get there? Like <laughs> you can't keep you can't keep losing weight into you know negative uh, infinity here. But um, so there is a very careful. I, I do commend them. They really uh, the Optavia program. They have a very carefully structured uh, transition plan that you follow. I wish I had it handy. I really don't. But you know, you're, anyone could find it online. But um, this is fine. I mean, it's similar to what other transition programs might look like. You're doing a gradual uptick in calories over the course of uh, several weeks. And so you're not just like, because that's, uh, you know, the whole concept of yo-yo dieting. You're like, all right, I made it back to, you know, KFC or whatever it is. Um, but so there's a careful thing. You know, there are some limitations on the on the plan. Like you don't eat any fruit, for example, on when you're on the Optavia plan. And you don't have any grains or complex carbs for the most part, um, things like that. So you do gradually reintroduce those things. Um, for example, like you increase your serving of vegetables by a certain amount the first week. And the second week, you might reintroduce some dairy and, and things like that. Um, some, so like that, it's a carefully, um, it's a carefully structured transition and um, gives you – you, you don't really count calories on the program. But you do start to consider that when you're transitioning because you're going, you know, the goal is to go back to eating whole foods and eating clean and things like that. So, because no, it is for sure. When I, I met with my doctor um, when I was maybe seven or eight months into the program, so I'd lost most of my weight at that point. And my doctor, who was a uh, nutrition specialist, actually, and, you know, as a, in addition to being a general practitioner, he, his concern was too, he was, you know, he raised an eyebrow talking about all the processed foods and all the prepared things and, and things like that. And, you know, I'm, you know, there are merits to that discussion and everyone has their opinions on that and, and valid concerns. But for me, I was like, this is, and my doctor agreed, you know, this is a temporary thing. You're not going to eat like this forever. Um, and I had no, to my knowledge, negative health impacts from doing that. So as a temper, as a tool, that's the, but you know, when, if you're losing a massive amount of weight and I would consider when I lost a massive amount, although, you know, folks have a lot more to lose and have lost, um, that transition can be even scarier because you've been on that plan for so long, because one of the things that I found to be so helpful about the Optavia program was the structure. I mean, it was just laid out in black and white. I mean, there were very, there was variability in terms of you can select which fuelings you want and which ones you're going to eat based on the flavor and style. But I know that nine in the morning, I'm going to eat this and at 11, I'm going to eat again and at one, whatever. And I found that to be a really helpful support. And that principle can be applied to other weight loss methods, the diets as well. But I found such uh, uh, support in that structure and such reliability that, you know, if you take that away, you're like, oh no, what do I do now? So. Um, it's important to to keep that. If you're somebody who needs that sort of scheduling and structure, 
to be successful to try to apply that to your your transition process and then to your daily your daily goals because after transition Optivia they still have guidelines and suggestions for you know eating x y and z during the day and i it doesn't even it's not even worth going into what they suggest because i know everyone has different um ideas of what that should be in terms of dietary structures and everything but so yeah that it, the transition is very meticulous and i found that to be really helpful well that's awesome because I, I think that's a, a key part of any program and honestly like in my experience i think most well-structured programs have that built in we just as people tend to avoid it you know, we like, like, I know a lot of people, I don't know if you're familiar at all with the whole 30, um, which is, yeah, the, the whole 30 is a, a, a almost a, like a paleo based elimination program. That's really about like relationship with food and trying to help you with that. And one of the big pieces of the whole 30 at the end is the transit, like reintroduction of foods and seeing how your body reacts to them and trying to make you more mindful of that. And I've just known so many people that kind of skip those things and like, hit day 31 and are like, okay, you know, let's, let's go for French fries and burgers on a bun and get ice cream after. And, you know, I'm, I can, I can get like, and I think that's how I, I also used to approach dieting myself. Like it was, you hit a goal and then you could just go back to what you were doing before. So I think that idea of like a, a, a well, well structured transition is important for anyone, no matter what plan they use, you know, to lose their weight, even if they're going to stick to a variation of that plan for the rest of their life they you still need to think about because like you said you can't lose weight forever you can't be the weight loss person forever like eventually you're going to hit a goal or a place where you decide that you're either taking a break or you know gonna gonna let your body go into maintenance for a while or whatever you're gonna do like you have to you have to approach it with the same methodical um approach and and one of the things that i i, I think will help us talk a little bit about your past uh before we get to your present really is uh, you you were talking about, you know, the structure of the program appealing to you. Like, how do you describe what your relationship with food was like before then? Like what, you know, as, you know, a very overweight and obese child and adult, like what what was what was your, your relationship with food like? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And it's it's something that I what I learned so much during the weight loss process about myself that I didn't really know I hadn't come to terms with. Um, and, and my relationship to food was one of those things. I hadn't really come fully to terms or at least, um, been willing to face the realities of it and be really, uh, really, uh, honest. I know one of, one of your previous guests referred to as like ruthless honesty, which I really enjoyed that statement, that phrase. So that was the kind of thing. So my relationship with food, um, well, I, I'll sort of talk about the recent past to explain the further past when I was, um, when I was doing the Optavia program and I was following a very careful structure, I mean, I had a journal that I took with me all the time and I followed it to the letter, um, you know, right off the bat, I was like, this thing works. So I'm going to follow it. You know, I clockwork. So I would find that if I was between eating, you know, between meals or whatever, um, I would find a sudden urge to go and get some food or I would feel like I wanted to eat something. And then I was realizing that like, that's the first few times I really thought like, am I hungry or am I stressed out about something? And like during losing weight is when I really, deter I really found out like, oh, I am a stress eater for sure. Like I really, I really didn't, uh, I hadn't really thought about it. And I had been tracking my weight in the iPhone app, just like the health app, which I really love because it gives you this handy little line graph, um, which could be kind of scary too, but I found it really encouraging when I was losing weight. And what I noticed when I look back on it is that, so one of the earliest weights I had recorded was the year, 
uh, or actually the month that I started working in my first like quote unquote grown up job. When I graduated from college and started my first music teaching job in uh, New York City in Brooklyn in February of 2016. And so, and that for a whole lot of things that's not really relevant right now, the job was incredibly stressful. Um, there were just like, it was very taxing on me mentally, emotionally, spiritually, in a lot of ways too, and physically. And so the point being, from that point, I saw that line graph just steadily climb. I mean, just like a very steady, steady climb of my weight increasing. And I was realizing, you no, know, partly being busy too, that's a whole nother thing. Um, using that as an excuse, just the convenience of eating food that's not good for you. Um, but I found I was really eating uh, for stress purposes. I mean, it was like as a, as a coping mechanism with stress. And um, so that's something I learned. So, But as a kid, I am further back, I also started realizing, you know, I don't know if it was so much stress as a child because, you know, how stressed are you as a kid? But um, I definitely ate too much, I think, you know, I, without even really thinking about it. I sort of food was kind of entertainment and it's in a lot of ways. Um, if I would be uh, left, you know, my parents were off to work in the summertime and home from school. And I would just like, I would basically eat all day, not just like foraging, you know, I would just like be watching TV or something and I would be bored. So I'd walk to the fridge or whatever else. And that was just, um, even as we're talking right now, I hadn't even thought about it until just now that that kind of behavior, just sort of very sedentary, um, and just sort of disinterested in going and being really active because sort of a which came first, the chicken or the egg kind of thing, because I wasn't in good shape. So I had no I had no interest in being active because being active to me was a miserable activity, is a miserable experience. Um, you know, I hated being active with my friends uh, or peers because I'm like, well, I'm going to be super sweaty and out of breath and I can't do anything that these guys can do. So why would I even bother? Um, but at the same time, it's like, well, yeah, how do you change that? Um you know, I played on sports teams and played lacrosse, which I deeply hated. <laughs> I really hated it. Um, and, I, you know, my parents didn't force me to do anything like that. They were very, you know, very kind and gentle in that, in that way. But, uh, you know, I think they really encouraged me to do it as a means of being active because they saw what was going on. Um, and uh, But, yeah, it was miserable because I was just so far behind the other guys that it was just not fun. Um, but, yeah, eating just eating so much like that I and – um, but at the same time, my perception as a kid and in high school and in college and, and even as a young adult after that was that I'm eating – What's what do you mean? I'm eating like the same thing everybody else is eating. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, am I though? Am I not getting a little bit of – I might have been getting a little extra or just like having seconds when nobody else was or just you know mindlessly eating. It was a big thing. So stress eating was a big part of it, sort of mindless eating. Uh, you know, I'm not uh, – I'm not too proud to admit that I used to eat my feelings about certain things. And and feel, I feel the temptations to do those things all still now. It's not all magically solved. But um, it uh, those are sort of some of those habits and those dispositions that I, I discovered. Oh, for sure. And what was – I'm just wondering kind of like what was the food culture in your family like? Were you the only person that was really overweight? Were there other overweight people in your family? Like was it were – you, were, you were you the anomaly? Like – what was that in like? some senses I am the anomaly um it's it's interesting to think and I thought about this a lot because um my so my parents I have one older sister my parent my sister has never been uh overweight um she's always been in good shape and um athletic in high school all that kind of thing and uh my parents my dad has always been in reasonably good shape not really athletic or anything you know he'll he just turned 70 so he's got a little bit of uh of weight, but it's never been anything significant like a beer belly kind of thing. 
My mom's weight has been up and down over the years, but not nearly to the magnitude that my weight was. So um, my mom struggled with her weight a little bit and, and still does. I think it's fair to say, but not she was she's never been as overweight as I was um, or yeah, as I was most of my life. So but the food culture, I mean, food for sure was um, was uh, we did not eat very healthy in my house. Um, and it was just, you know, kind of a typical kind of American supermarket convenience diet. You know, it's just, um, you know, I was a picky eater as a kid, I think from thinking back and from what, what my mom would tell me. And so, you know, I would not want to eat the, the proverbial Brussels sprouts or whatever it was. And so my, my mom, well-intentioned, this is not in any, any way a criticism. Um, my mom, well-intentioned would kind of let me eat something else that I did like, you know, as opposed to the idea of, you know, well, if you don't eat, you're going to go hungry kind of thing. So in retrospect, I, I do, I do say, you know, there's no point in, in wishing for the past, but, uh, but, you know, I kind of wish I had the, the whole go hungry. My wife and her family, she grew up in, uh, if you didn't eat your dinner from the night before, that was your breakfast for the next day. And so very effective. But. Oh yeah. And, and I think that's something like you, you hit on when you were talking about just growing up and, you know, being the bigger kid and there's, and and you know she does does sharing these similar stories help people listening and like you said like i think it does because there's a resonance there that we live in a culture that really i i think the phrasing is like says that we live in an, an obesogenic culture we live in a culture that actually can foster obesity in people like it doesn't just it doesn't just allow it to happen in a lot of ways it enables that behavior and like the fact that now, you know, what we all have to do is different people. Like I look at like, you know, I'm, I'm almost, I, I always shudder when I have to talk about my age on this show. Um, but I'm almost 20 years older than you. And when I was a, when I was a kid, there were no other kids, my size, you know, there was no one in my high school, my size, except for some football players. And obviously they were in different condition than me. Like it was a very, a very different time, you know, in the, in the eighties, um, but you look at now, if when you look at like a, a classroom photo, it's not one or two kids stand out, you know, as being overweight. It's more, wow, there's so there's th a lot of thin kids in that class, you know, like that seems to be like, you know, almost and 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 the numbers project it, like the 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 fact that like we're we're headed towards a tipping point where you know not only are they saying that like kids, you know, overweight kids growing up now are not going to outlive their parents, but we're going to have a majority, you know, a, a super majority of adults be not just overweight, but obese within just a few years, you know, if the patterns right. continue. It's really scary. It's very scary. To th and I think you're totally right. And, you know, I wasn't alive back then, obviously, but I try to be uh, as much as possible a student of history and just aware of those those changes and norms. And I remember as a kid in, in the 90s, our, our gym teachers telling us things about, you know, these were current developments, I think, at the time, talking about how you know, they expanded the size of the seats at Yankee Stadium because, you know, people's butts can't fit in them anymore. And they've changed the entry requirements for the U.S. military because the, the level of fitness as a norm has gone down and things like that. And just sort of the social concerns, they come from that. And I think, you know, kind of to frame that whole issue, it's such a delicate balance of sincere concern and I think well-placed and valid concern without sort of... Uh, ungracious like chastisement and and uh, ridicule and all this and all those kinds of things that go along with that 
and and shaming and things like that. But at the same time, like we have a real problem. I mean, we uh, and I agree. Like my generation, and I think the generation coming now. You know, I'm a I'm a middle school teacher, and I see it now, and it's it's it hits me really hard, especially knowing my childhood. And I see these, and I think boys in particular, I just kind of uh, resonates with me. Obviously, I you know I can identify with that experience. Um, and I see some boys in fifth, sixth, seventh grade who to me I think are bigger than I was when I was that age. And that's, that's terrifies me for them. Um, and I really, it, it hurts to think about that. So I think it's for sure it's accelerating. You definitely see that at a higher, at a higher pace and younger kids, you know, bigger and bigger. Um, and for all kinds of reasons that I, you know, we could talk about till we're blue in the face, but I think um, in terms of like the way our culture is changing, but I agree. I mean, we have, we in the United States, I mean, in the West in general, but in the United States, we have such luxurious lives um, relative to the rest of the world. And we as a culture are just digging ourselves in, into a grave. I mean, in so many in so many ways and uh, not to be overly cynical about that, but we have the resources to be so healthy and to, you know, the the lifespan in the United States is is the life expectancy has gotten so much higher in a lot of ways. But um, or in, not in a lot of ways. That's just data. But um, it has gotten a lot of higher the quality of life. But at the same time, we're these are preventable diseases. I mean, it's it's uh, it's terrifying to think about. And that's you know, as a I like the term obesity survivor because you know it's not like you were crossing the street and got hit by a bus and you know that was the accident. Like there's lifestyle changes that the lifestyle elements that cause a person to be obese. Um, but uh, you know, I I hope that we. I think your podcast does this work, in fact, to kind of working towards the conversation where we can, as a society, have grace for people who are struggling with this, while also the conviction, like, we need to do something about this and and come alongside our neighbors and people. And it's a really tough thing to do. I mean, because it's, we've been in those situations, I'm sure, where people try to, quote unquote, help you. And it's really more hurtful than anything else and just draws attention to the fact that you have a problem. And uh, it's a very sensitive thing, but I think the di- the continuing dialogue is is a really good thing to address that problem because you're absolutely right. It's accelerating. Uh, it's very clear, and I mean the the market reflects that. I think I think the the marketplace reflects societal changes really well. I mean, you look in store the products that are sold in stores. I mean, the the sheer size of things that are made for big folks, or just like the types of convenience things, or all the food. Uh, devices and there's nothing inherently wrong with that stuff, but it reflects a, a a populace that is requiring that stuff because our lifestyle has changed so much. Oh, com- completely. And I I think it, it's interesting for me to like really like one I because I, I I think like within the sphere that like we exist in talking about these issues, to people can't can't understand that there are still people out there that don't understand healthier eating and don't know what they're doing is wrong you know don't understand the behaviors that are enabling these patterns to continue like i i think just the sheer fact that there's no clear answers for parents on how to change their child's behavior so when they see it they see it happening i think often parents get paralyzed and or more than likely have the same issues themselves and don't can't can't change it themselves and and just see it as like you said like like I thought it was really, you know, a, a really great perspective you you took when you said, you know, eventually you started to see this as your life. You started to see being that overweight as just the hand you were dealt, the consequence that was there. 
it was un you know maybe it was unfair but it it is what it was and i think that's a, what's happening in a lot of ways is like we're hitting that point where people are are accepting and to the point that it like the sadly the thing that i see a lot is that people are are accepting and tolerating until it becomes deadly and either someone they know passes away or they get the news from a doctor that they're going to pass away if they don't do something and you know then then they reach then they they're desperate for help like i i have heard from so many different guys that have said to me, you know, I'm 500 pounds, I'm 600 pounds, and I've never been really been on a diet in my life, and I don't know what to do. And to me, as someone who grew up as a chronic dieter, I'm like, how have you never been on a diet? Like, how is that? Like, it's I have to wrap my head around that. But I think the perspective is there that as much as we have the, the resources that can help people, We've started to move so far away from wanting to hurt feelings and shame people and, you know, put that on people that we, we've moved further into the direction of coddling behavior and saying that, yes, it's going to be okay that this happens. And yes, we'll just make that bigger. And yes, we'll just do this. And I, I think there's a lot like one of the things that I see, and this is where I think sometimes people can, whether they say it to me or not, can get mad. Like, I think there's a lot of tools that were created to help people that have you know, disabilities that are, are brought about for different reasons that have been adapted to be used by people um, to enable, you know, their size and the comfort and things along those lines. And a well-intentioned creation can be used poorly by anyone. The same way we I've had discussions with people about, well, one, I think uh, mobility scooters are a big thing, like mobility scooters in stores, mobility scooters in stores, um, seatbelt extenders. Um, I think but then I, I I think also just like clean like let let's let's break it down realistically like cleaning tools like wiping tools and bathroom utensils and things along those lines that actually exist to help people that have grip issues or have reach issues and things along those lines become the only hope for someone that has become so large that they can't handle it in the in the traditional way and. I don't begrudge them needing to use that object, but I think the presence of that object then just starts to reinforce things like it's 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 a puzzle I don't have the answers to, so I don't I don't want to go down that rabbit hole of then sounding like I'm some kind of hating person because I'm not. Like I've been that person. I've been that person that needs help wiping his butt. Like I've been that person. I know what that is like. I know the shame that is there. I know what that life is really like. And that's really, like you said, like the purpose of this podcast is to get people to realize that other people are dealing with these problems and other people have felt helpless. And that's the thing. I think it's so important for that reason because so many people um, like to hash out these issues and get into the nitty gritty like you really do and like the down and dirty of, of what it means and what, it, you know, the actual experience. Because I think when help comes from a person who has never experienced the, the being obese or has ever it doesn't mean that their help is not well-intentioned or genuine or anything like that but they don't necessarily have the the um the experience to to really know and to be able to identify with what that means uh and so but i think it's also important to know that like people know like guys who are out there listening to this kind of thing who are you know i think you know everyone had to have a day one at some point uh to begin their weight loss journey and you know it's um it's that's why I think what you're doing is so important because it's so important to know that people do get out of this. You know, everyone I think has felt hopeless at some point when they've gotten to a point of obesity or even less than obesity, being overweight. But 
um, you know, people can do it. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to probably make some sacrifices in your life to some extent or another and be really honest with yourself about things you have to do. Because I agree, our, our culture um, in a lot of ways does uh, inf- reinforce some of these negative behaviors, not in a malicious way, but it just happens um, for all kinds of reasons. Uh, you know, sociology, it could be a whole four-hour podcast. But um, the the fact that this is the case, I mean, this when we were – you know, when I was just listening to some information about um, the reason, you know, the, when smoking was at its height in the United States, smoking cigarettes and all the public ad campaigns that, you know, it the, the public uh, perception of smoking went to went from, oh, like four out of five doc, your doctor will prescribe this because it's great. Or like, look at this movie star. And then it went over the course of a couple of decades to like, you're a dirtbag if you smoke cigarettes. That was that was like that was the the like state sanctioned. Uh, line on that kind of thing and i'm not drawing a direct comparison there but um you know i think we have to ask ourselves as individuals as communities as a culture like where should we be in terms of talking about this because we're just accepting it it's like oh well there are fat people and there are not fat people and like some people live this way and some people don't and um and you know and i know you've you've talked about issues of like you know um I, i forget the name of the the old the movement like the size the healthy uh, at every size and fat acceptance you know. yeah right that's the thing yeah i i i'm not even upset the fact i don't remember it because i don't i i just don't i don't acknowledge it sure um but uh you know going from that to like being real healthy like yeah it's we can talk about attraction and all that goes into that but like we gotta talk about healthier people are dying um and yeah. And I mean, and honestly, like I actually, it's funny because like I had this thought, like I've, I've been working on a post and I'm trying to, I've been wording it and rewording it because I don't want to, I don't want to sound like a jerk. Like I don't, but one of the things that I, I thought of recent, like I thought of actually um, when I was driving to work yesterday, not yesterday, uh, it might've been Friday um, was if, if I saw someone sit, sitting at a desk with a knife and they were jabbing that knife into their eye and I said, Hey, you you're going to make yourself blind by jabbing that knife into your eye. They would say, Oh, I did. I didn't know that, you know, or, okay, you know, I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't do that. But if, if I go to someone who like, let's take specifically, you know, uh, type two diabetes developed because of eating, you know, type two diabetes is a type of diabetes that develops basically because of dietary issues for the most part. There are, I'm sure there are other specific cases people will come at me about, but it is driven by by weight and what you're eating. And if you say to someone, sure, people want to fight about the exceptions, but by and large, that's true, right? And if you say to someone, by changing what you're eating, you could get off those six medications you're taking, they immediately go to this place of you're shaming me for my food choices, right? You're you're you're, you're putting me down. You're doing this, and you know I don't want us to rant about this forever because I think it's something that people know, like most of the people listening know what we're talking about, but. I think it's I think it's important I think it's important for people to realize that we don't we don't find we're we're not finding avenues as a culture to have those discussions in ways that really will help people like there's a meme I've talked about on the show before where it's it's a giant line of people at one window and there's no line at the other window and one window says you know medicine and pills to help with my problem and then the other window says eat healthy and exercise right oh, but yeah. there's no one in line for that window for that information because we don't want like as a culture we want to we want to get a fix that is considered easier we want to get a fix that is considered a way that will cause the least discomfort 
And I, I think the real secret to success that I've seen in most people that I've talked to so far on this show and in, in all of my experiences has been at some point they realize they're going to get uncomfortable, you know, and whether that's through following a program like you did, you know, and radically changing how you're eating or following a program like I did, which was a radical change to the way that I was eating. You're going to get uncomfortable and you're going to have to realize that sometimes you have to push through that discomfort to get to the other side. Absolutely. I think that's the thing is like, you know, you're going to have to do things you might not enjoy to lose weight, but like, how much do you enjoy being overweight? Uh, and that's, and that's really what it is. And it's, it's one of those things. And I, I'm sure there will always be someone, and I, I'm, I don't consider myself to take a really harsh tone about it, but, uh, you know, at the same time, it's like when you've been there, I feel like you have a little bit of license to be blunt about it. Um, and because I think that's part of it. I mean, there's, it, I think the, the key word to me in all of this is just finding the balance for your life with this stuff. I mean, finding balance, when we can talk about that, when we talk more about like the reaching your weight goals and maintenance, and all that kind of thing, but also the balance of your mindset has to be balanced, which is kind of a corny thing to say, but it really is true because you have to, on the one side, you really have to have grace with yourself and be like, you know what, this is where I'm at on you know, today, December 16th, 2019. This is where I'm at. Here's what I need to do going forward. You know, there's only, you can think about the past and the mistakes you've made with eating or with lifestyle or with anything, any area of life, it's not going to change it. So like be a student of your own history and move forward. At the same time, having grace with yourself is not the same as making excuses for yourself. And so, um, you know, you have to, you're your own boss, so nobody can do it for you. Um, I'm, I'm grateful that I had people who really supported me in my process and who still support me now um, in who know, who, you know, who really know uh, my situation. And, um, I really am thankful for that. But at the end of the day, like no one can make, you know, no one's force feeding you and no one can make you eat a salad either. So you have to do it yourself um, and really just take the steps. And that's, that's, you know, the reason I think it took me until I was 25 years old. Uh, I spent the first, you know, my entire life up to that point, first 25 years of my life, obese. Uh, I just never was radically uh, honest with myself. Like I, I, you know, somebody said on your show before, and that's a great phrase. Um, because you have to be and be ruthless with yourself. You know, you can um, really be tough in a sense, not tough like you're, a, you know, negative and uh, self-abusive, but in a sense, you know, have some standards for yourself and stick to them, which is easier to say in an abstract sense. But um, when I, for example, you know, when you're seeing results doing something, be willing to commit to something and know that, yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable. It might be uh, a sacrifice in some way. But I mean, for me, you know, and I'm sure we'll talk more about things why, there are things I don't like about my post weight loss life that I didn't expect to be that way, but I would not go back if I was that, you know, I don't want to go back to that. Um, I would, I'm so much happier with the way it is now and my health and my body now, um, than I was. And so, and I'm grateful for that. I have to thank God every day for the blessings I have in that sense, because it is, uh, it, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful to have my health and things. I'm thankful I, I did this earlier in life and sidestepped some major medical problems that I could have had. Um, but that's the thing. It's like finding that balance, you know, being, have some grace for yourself, but also, uh, you know, you have to be tough with yourself and, you know, don't, <laughs> you're the only one in, in the equation who's going to change it. For sure. And I think this is a good point because one of, for us to pivot, because when, when you and I first started DMing and talking about you coming on the show, like we were DMing, not about you coming on the show. We were just talking in general. 
And you started to talk about, you know, life now and the challenges you face now that the weight loss portion of your journey ended, excuse me, like living in the maintenance life and dealing with what your body is like after massive weight loss and all of those things, which are issues that like are so real and raw for me right now, having just recently switched into kind of a maintenance minded lifestyle, like in working on that. So I, so I said to you, like, let's let, I think you should come on the show and we should talk about this. And I know initially you were like, I don't know if this is really, you know, your story to tell, but I really think it is because I, I, I think you've hit on just in some of our initial discussions, like what, what it means to head into that next phase of your journey. And when I, when I thought about our discussion, like the, the big thing that, that came to me was every person that has weight loss success goes on this, you know, kind of really long challenging journey you know whether it whether long is is a couple months or a, or a couple years like long is relative but the next phase of the journey is just as if not sometimes more challenging and so i want to get into like what happened to you you know kind of what's been going on after losing the weight what are your challenges now because you've you've said to me at least you know some of the challenges you face now almost seem bigger than the challenges you faced before. Yeah, I, I, that's exactly right. I mean, this, you know, I, that's why when we, when we were messaging, you know, I was, uh, said some more things, you know, I don't have, because I don't have a, uh, a radical story in the sense of, you know, I'm not doing anything remarkable in my life. I'm just living normal life just as a trying to be healthy. Um, you know, we, and like one of my great heroes, uh, obese to beast, John Glaude on your show. That's how I found, came to find your show. You know, but at the same time, I think that he talks about some of these same things of the realities of living after you've lost weight. So I think probably many of your listeners can picture and maybe you can. There's a there's a sculpture or there's a photo of a sculpture, I should say, that I see all the time online in memes or in advertisements for health products. And it's a sculpture of a person. There's one of a man, one of a woman. And it's it's an obese person from like the waist down. And then from the waist up, it's like a super fit, chiseled, uh, buff person. And it's like the person chipping themselves out of the stone, you know. And so um, the, the whole idea of like there's a fit person inside every fat person or whatever, you know, however you want to call it. And if you haven't seen it, you know, whoever, you know, you can Google it and you pretty vivid picture. So I, you know, I, had, I saw that in the last couple of years. That was kind of my mentality my whole life up until actually losing weight like that was sort of my dream i had this just constant daydream of being you know fit and being attract in my mind attractive and being sort of like the you know that sort of prototypical manly man just like muscly and looks like james bond and really fit and trim and all that kind of stuff and um, I never thought it was accessible, like we talked about before, because I never thought I would actually be able to lose the weight. I wanted to do it, never saw it as a reality. Um, and so in any case, I had really thought, like, that's going to be it. I'm going to lose all this weight. I'm going to, you know, turn myself into, uh, you know, a buff guy, whatever, and just, like, put this all behind me. Um, so, but the thing is, like many people have experienced, um, and like you've talked about, as I started nearing that weight loss goal, I was like, oh this loose skin is not going anywhere. Um, and I really, that really started to get in my head and I have a lot of loose skin. Um, I don't have any photos of it on social media only because that's not really the nature of my social media. And I, I don't, I'm not really worried about that, but, um, 
So I found, oh my goodness, all this skin in my belly and my thighs and my arms and, uh, you know, the majority of my body, uh, this looks terrible. Like I thought it, it just disgusted me, um, to be frank. And I was like, this is awful. And then I started, and then this realization, so as I started invest and I really looked, I started looking into if my health insurance would cover uh, skin surgery or what that's even like. And it was terrifying, even just learning about it, about what the process is. And, and you know, look, if if somebody wants to do that, I say, go, you know, I'm all for it. I just, you know, I've come to the conclusion I'm not going to do that. But um, even if I had the resources. But the point is, it became, I realized that that body that I had always wanted was not going to happen. It just was, it just isn't. Um, and. I have to say that like today, that is okay. It was not okay for me a while back over the last year. It wasn't okay. I mean, there were moments when the realization that I was never going to look like who I thought I was going to look like in a certain sense, I can get, and I've, I've, in a lot of ways, I am much more fit. I do CrossFit now and I'm very active and stronger and, you know, I could do things physically I could never do before, but I'm not going to, and I'm not going to look like that. Um, and for me personally, this is just, uh, an idol in my life that I have to attack is my body image and my image in general. It's just really, it's really challenging for me, uh, to come to terms with. And that's another reason I think your show is so important because we can talk about issues like male body image. Um, this is a real, I mean, this is a real concern and not just for people who are not just for men who have are obese or were obese or anything like that, or, um, you know, it's a real serious thing. Um, for men of all kinds of physical situations um, that doesn't get talked about in the same way that uh, just as valid as, as women's body image issues, you know, both are concerns. But so I was like, um, my wife, who was uh, my girlfriend at the time, um, I was, there were, there were moments we were talking about this and very candid um, conversations. I was concerned about it. And she kind of helped me come to the conclusion. She was like, you're going to have to, to you're going to have to grieve this. Because like it's in, it was, I had built that as an idol. And I, I have to say that that way because there's nothing, there's no other, there's no other word for it. I think that does justice to what it really was. I had built an idol to body image that was, it was just so important to me because I wanted to get healthy. I wanted to live longer. I wanted to be more active. Those things are all great. Like when people are like, oh, you're going to have more energy. You're going to be healthier. I was like, yeah, 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 blah, blah, blah. I want to look good in a suit or like, I want to look good in a swimsuit or whatever else, or, you know, be, be, you know, a sexy guy, whatever that, whatever that means. That was my priority. And, uh, when I got to this point where I, you know, I got to my goal weight and I was just like, looked like a deflated leather thing. I was just like, oh my goodness, what the hell is going on? So, um, that was really tough. I mean, there were moments where I was, we were, I was with my, you know, then girlfriend sitting on the bench in a park, just like uh, crying. I mean, I was really devastated as it hit me, um, you know, and it was just a very challenging thing. Cause I was like, I wanted so badly my whole life to be what I thought was quote unquote attractive, even though it's, you know, it's only something you're going to see under the clothes, you know, um, it, it doesn't look like that when I'm dressed or anything for work, but it was something that became really challenging. And, um, you know, again, this, uh, podcast seems like a safe place for the down and dirty. So my, you know, my wife and I were Christians. We were not sexually intimate before we got married. And I was really concerned. I was like, I felt so self-conscious about this. I was like, we're going to, you know, we're, we're, um, you know, 
looking forward to this day when we get married. And I'm like, I feel so unattractive and just like, I really, it really got to me. I mean, uh, for myself, it's remarkable how stoic I could be talking about it now because there were times when I was really just like weeping about it. Um, and it really got, it really devastated me because yeah, I, my whole life I had this idea and it was gone, just like dashed. Now, again, I would do it again in a heartbeat if I knew the same things I know now. Um, but it was a process of learning about, first of all, priorities of body image. Also, I should mention too, <laughs> um, my wife brings this up that, you know, when we met, I was still halfway through my weight loss journey. Uh, I had only lost about 80 pounds at the time. And she, we didn't actually know each other super well at that time. We had met at church briefly, but she remember, she will talk about how she saw me the first time and was like very attracted to me. And I'm thinking like, really? I was still like 80, 90 pounds overweight. But that's the that's all in the mind. Like you've talked about before on your show, you know, attraction is such a subjective thing, and it's such a a relative thing, um, and it, you know, people perceive those things differently. But you know, growing up really overweight, I had a really um, crippling sense of insecurity about how women perceived me, about how other guys perceived me, in the sense of uh, you know the idea that to be fit is to be masculine and things like that. Um, it's a really, it was a really challenging thing. So yeah, I, I wasn't prepared for that. I had no idea that, uh, that would be the case. It really, in a certain sense, not necessarily one in one instant, but it really blindsided me because I thought, you know, you lose weight, your life's going to be great. Like everything will be fine. I attributed all my problems to being overweight because it was the biggest problem. It was the one at the most, at the forefront of my mind. But then I got rid of the weight and I was like, oh, you have other issues. Like you, you're, you're idolizing other, other things in your life that have nothing to do with your weight. Your weight was just one of those things. You know, I really learned a lot about um, myself, like I mentioned before, in so many other ways besides just my eating habits. You know, in this process, uh, you know, I learned lessons about discipline and learned lessons about what are the things I'm really prioritizing in life or, or holding up on these pedestals or idolizing, like I've said before. Um, because even when I, you know, I went to the gym, my, my wife has done CrossFit for, um, about a year, uh, prior to when I, I met her. Um, and so I've gotten into doing it too, but I still, and I really love it. I, I have nothing but great things to say about CrossFit. Um, but I still, when the, oh, and sometimes today, but especially at first, I still felt like the fat kid in gym class when I went to the gym, even though I wasn't fat anymore. Um, you know, I lost weight so fast. I would, I kind of not even at the gym only, but I would feel sort of like phantom fat, if that makes sense. Like I was used to my body taking up a certain amount of space that it didn't take up anymore. Um, and it was a really strange phenomenon. And, you know, I've sort of stabilized in a lot of sense, uh, a lot of senses now, but it was something I wasn't prepared for. And I think it's an important thing to talk about because, you know, if guys are in the process of doing this, like kind of, you know, it, it's going to be different for everybody, but you really have to brace yourself because like you said before, like the, the, or like you mentioned earlier, sort of the extent, like we're, we have people telling us that these things are going to be the case from their experience. But, you know, sometimes we don't want to believe it until, you know, we, uh, you know, you don't want, you don't want to admit that the stove is hot until you burn yourself kind of thing. I could say that's, that's really how I think about uh, the experiences I've had now in, in just all those kind of uh, mental and emotional things that were really, really hard. And to be honest, are still kind of hard. You know, I still um, feel that way, you know, and, and to be perfectly candid by, and my wife is very blunt about this too. She's like, look, that has no, no impact on the, um, 
you know, my attraction to you. She's like, she's very attracted to me and, and I, her, and, you know, which goes to speak to the whole, the issue about attraction is a lot more than just physicality, even though that's an element of it. Um, but those kinds of things, I mean, you know, especially those of us who spent the majority of our lives big and obese or whatever else, um, this new life or some, I had some good friends who called it like, no, this is like your new body now. My wife says it too. You're like, you're getting used to your new body. Cause I would freak out when I w- gained a pound or two. Um, and I'm kind of in one of those situations now, actually. So I would really get stressed out because I'm used to the scale going one direction. And, you know, the scale, you can say a million times, the scale is one metric of your health, but it isn't, it can be a very important one. Um, it's a very honest one in a lot of ways. Um, not everything, you know, but it's, it's a generally good metric um, to monitor that kind of stuff. And I would just freak out. And it's the whole idea of like, okay, now you're finding balance. What does it look like now when, you know, I have to figure out what my everyday life is going to look like now that I work out all the time and now that I can eat more things or now that my lifestyle is a little different. Um, so that's this whole year has been that really for me because I've spent this entire calendar year um, not on a weight loss plan, but trying to just eat healthy and things. And, you know, to me, I gained about 30 pounds back <clears throat> in over the course of this past year, which to be totally honest, freaks me out a little bit. Um and but I'm you know at the same time I I have moments of panic about that and then but then I'm adjusting my diet and dialing it right back down and the scales going the other way again and you know I feel a lot better about that but I'll still see myself in the mirror and I'll kind of notice like my love handle sticking out you know and uh, the other night my wife came by and she saw me doing that in the window and she just you know came by kissed me on the neck and just you know didn't have to say anything because she knows the situation and. It doesn't necessarily matter if a person is married or not. Um, you know, that that's uh, not the only source of my consolation about those things. You know what I mean? The, the only point I'm trying to make is that most of those things are our perception. You know, we are, especially in that state, you know, when you get to that goal, I really felt fatter than I was. People like I saw my, it was really a, a guy who I work with had a, it, it lost a significant amount of weight too. And now he's like super buff CrossFit guy. And, um, he was very blunt. He was like, no, you dude, he's like, you probably have, you just have some body dysmorphia now. It's like, and it was just like, it was kind of cold water in the face. I was like, oh, like I never would have considered myself having, you know, you just hear about that stuff in, you know, on TV or in the news. Like, I was like, no, I think this is in a certain sense. I'm not diagnosing myself with anything, but, um, it, it re- related to the idea of body dysmorphia. Cause I felt when I saw myself in photographs, I didn't see myself as fat as when I looked in the mirror, if that makes sense. So I would see photographs of myself and be like, oh, I look pretty good. Then I look in the mirror directly and I'd be like, wow, this is not good. You know, even when it was the same, same weight, same state, everything. Um, but it was, it's, it's a lot of mental stuff that it just takes time to process through and to find your new normal, because that's the thing. Your life is in so many different stages. So the losing the weight is a very unique stage. The transition out of it is a very unique stage. And then finding that balance of maintenance is a whole nother thing. And once you figure it out, you know, you're aging too. Everybody's in a different stage of life and aging. So it's going to be constantly evolving, I think, which doesn't make it easy. But at least, you know, we have to be prepared for the, the fact that that will be a dynamic thing. I think so. And 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 I one of the things I, I, I don't want to move, move us past too quickly is this perception like one perception rules everything in our lives, I think is, is a great point that you made. Like, but I, I think especially when you head out on a weight loss journey, you have goals in mind, 
you have your ideal results in mind. You even, even for some people, that's about setting a specific number. Like for me, for a long time, I was chasing a specific number that I never got to. Because for my body, that number wasn't going to happen without some radical, ra more radical than what I was already doing behavior that I decided wasn't worth it in the end. Oh, yeah. And I, and I think, <clears throat> and it's funny because when you talk about kind of seeing yourself after the weight loss, like I relate to that so much because when I lost, when I lost the massive amount of weight the first time in 2013 and got to 210 pounds, the, I had all the loose skin. I had that image. And I and people are like, how did you regain the weight so rapidly? And why was that okay with you? And part of the being okay with it wasn't just that I was re, you know, I had re, you know, resubmerged myself into food addiction and those issues. I had started, I recognized my body again. I I knew that body. You know, that was the body that I knew and that I was comfortable with, as messed up as it was and as dying as it was. That was the body I knew. So it was about finding, like you said, like I think you put it really well, like that person said to you, you're in a new body. We're in the same, you know, genetically, it's the same body we've lived in the whole time. But in a lot of ways, it is really a new body to learn about. And, and I also find it funny, you know, you were talking about seeing pictures and think you looked okay, and then seeing yourself in the mirror and not noticing. And like for me, or noticing, you know, being like, I don't, I don't look as great as I, as I, I thought I looked in those pictures, like, for me, on a lot of ways, it's interesting because for me, in some, it was the opposite. Like, I was having all these moments where, you know, I would think that, you know, I looked, you know, one way and then would see a picture and be like, oh, my God, like, I look so different than I like. I, I look at like even some of the pictures I took of myself at my heaviest. And I don't remember feeling as big as I clearly look in those pictures, especially like in relation to other people. Oh, yeah. But then I. Then I think about like this past June when I went to the, the keto convention and got pictures from an event I went to that I didn't take and I wasn't a part of taking, like just a roving photographer. And I immediately, my immediate reaction was I'm not in any of these pictures. And one of my friends right. was like, you're, you're in like 10 of them. And I'm, I had to go back and slow down and be like, oh my God, that's me. Yeah, that's me. It's crazy. That's also me. Like I, did, I didn't recognize myself. And I, and I think you hit on like a, a great, the reason why I felt like this discussion is important, not just to, you know, kind of allow you to talk about where you're at and help people to see that the journey changes, but the journey doesn't end, but that you can, you can, you can hit a point where you're not, you're happy. You're not in the condition you were in before, but you're not in a place where you're like celebrating every moment of where you're at. And people will say, you look great and this is awesome and this is great. But like you, like I have moments, like it's funny. I had some moments recently where I was just like, every time I did a story on Instagram or posted a picture, I'm like, my face just looks gigantic in these pictures. Like, I don't know what's going on. I just feel like I look gigantic. And then I started getting some random DMs from people that are like, I haven't been on your account in like two months. And I have to let you know, I don't know what's going on, but your face looks so much slimmer than it did two months ago. Isn't that something? But for, but for me, it is, and like that's really like that's how disjointed I think sometimes our perception of ourselves becomes. That we have to start to do the work to figure out how to try to bring that back in line, and that I think is a really unique and powerful challenge. Yes, it because is. like I like you, you've talked about like things have gotten better for you. Like I'm wondering like what what is you, what are your thoughts on someone else who's in that place of hitting maintenance 
and not being a hundred percent satisfied with where they're at and not feeling ha- and like looking at that loose skin mm. and freaking out. And what is your advice having gone through that and, and living through that right now? Sure. What is your advice for someone, what they should do to start to work on that? Like what direction could you help to give someone? Yeah. Just from your experience. Like, obviously I know you're not an expert for every person, no, but from not. your experience, what do you think are some of the lessons you're learning right now? Well, I'll tell you the most, the most important lesson that I've, that I've gotten that was told to me in, in the same conversation, but with a, a close friend of mine, uh, my former pastor from college, a close mentor of mine. And I was talking to him a while back, a few months back about the whole thing and just the concerns with body image and, and these things. And he sent me a text after our conversation. He was like, have a great day. And he was like, and remember to be kind to yourself. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I mean, that to me has become sort of a little um, motto of sorts to just remember to be kind to yourself because yeah, it's good to have goals. It's good to have those things and to be really committed to that, but also like give yourself a break, like, which is so relative, like we talked about before, but be kind to yourself. Like don't, I used to look in the mirror um, when I was really overweight and I would literally, sometimes I would say out loud, I would be like, this is, you are disgusting. Like I would look and I would grab my belly and I'm like, this is gross. Like I am disgusted with this. Um, And there were moments post weight loss when I did the same exact thing. And I would just be standing in front of the mirror for like, you know, a long time, just like standing there staring that like, I felt kind of like a madman, but at the same, but I was like, I was so fixated on that stuff, you know? Um, And I would be, I, it would be dishonest to say, I don't think about it sometimes still because I I do, but um, not nearly to the extent it's a process. And, and my wife has noticed it in me. Um, in conversation, just as a you know, as an outside observer of my uh, sort of um, disposition on the issue, and it's it, it's improved a lot. It's a it, this whole thing is a process into unto itself, um, just kind of coming to terms with what the new normal is, or you know, being shocked about the loose skin because the reality is like nobody's really thinking about that for you. You know, for another example is like I'm you know I'm doing CrossFit now and. You know, if I wasn't telling you about it, I'm not a real CrossFitter. I have to tell you that I do it. But um, yeah, that's that's the law or they kick you out. But um, so, I mean, for example, it's it's kind of like in the culture of CrossFit, you know, guys tend to take their shirts off like halfway through the workout. They're getting all sweaty and just like super buff guys. And I'm like and I'm thinking and I've said this to my wife. I was like, I could get so muscular and strong and still I will never want to do that because I still feel insecure about my my skin and everything like that. And it, it, that journey is different for everybody and people feel that way for it. And like at the end of the day, it's that, that doesn't, that doesn't ruin my life. You know what I mean? Like it's not for me personally, that's something I'm working to move beyond. And in a lot of senses I have, and that doesn't trivialize the situation for other people. But the point is like, um, my loose skin and my torso, my arms does not define me, which is so easy to say. And it can sound kind of trite, especially if a person is really struggling with that, but it's this reality, like you, uh, your skin does not define you. Your belt size does not define you. Um, we should all strive to be healthier and support those around us who want to be healthier. But you know, the number on the scale does not define you. And, uh, you know, I'm stressed out because, you know, some of the clothes I got when I was at my slimmest are feeling kind of snug because I gained some weight back over the last few months, but that doesn't define me either. You know, um, and these kinds of things, again, easier said than to really internalize. Um, but that's the thing. I mean, 
advice to somebody is really it's it sounds very touchy feely, but like be kind to yourself. It's really it's really the key, I think. Um, you know, something I um you know, again I said I learned so much about myself and during the process of losing weight and in the and in the sort of the on the other side of that mountain, like life going forward. Because it's as being obese gets further and further in the rearview mirror, so to speak. Um, you know, I hope it'll be a, it'll be many years for me until I reach, you know, more years spent not obese than than I was obese, you know, whatever that looks like. So, um, you know, I'm still kind of feel like a recovering obese person in a lot of senses, but that's a mindset thing. And it will take time to ch- to overcome that. And like I said, I'm I'm able to speak about this now in a in a very healthy place mentally, just kind of trying to be as impartial to my not impartial is not the right word, but um trying to be as level as I can about it. But it wasn't the case a few months ago. So you're gonna people were gonna go through um a process of that and just know that like you're gonna come out the other side and it might be kind of ugly and there might be some dark places along the way. But like don't be afraid to explore that and see what you might really be learning about yourself. Like all the things I talked about with um you know elements of my personality and my mindset that I wasn't I wasn't really um in touch with until until this happened. And you know, uh, one thing that I I certainly would want to to say while I'm on here is that you know uh, I saw I said about how I I learned a lot about sort of uh, I had a lot of um spiritual growth on the pro- in the in the process of losing weight and I wasn't particularly you know, I'm a Christian like I said before and to be honest I wasn't you know, dealing with my weight loss and my health, it never really was part of something I prayed about or anything like that. Because again, and there's my idolatry thinking like, oh, well, it's not going to change anything. Like I didn't feel like it did. So I never, um, which was, which that's a whole, you know, that element of faith is a whole other conversation. But, um, you know, I really thought that I was going to be like this forever. And so it wasn't a part of my, um, everyday spiritual life but i learned things about myself in the sense that like your dignity and your humanity is not tied up in you being overweight either you know i really i really hated myself in a lot of ways when i was overweight and there's really no other way to put it and i came to terms with it after the fact like i really loathed myself and i thought i was just like scum of the earth because like why can't you just get it together and um and just lose weight like it's like like on the one side oh it's so simple just eat better so like, why can't you do that? You dummy. Like what, you know, that's, that's, those are the kinds of internal thing, internal dialogues I was having. You know, I want to tell people, you know, for people who are looking to lose weight or in the process, like that, those are lies. I mean, those are really just lies, um, that are being told to you. Uh, and all that kind of negative negativity is just, um, and, and, and as a person who experienced that on like the really dark end of things, I really, really hated myself and was disgusted with myself. And those are all lies that we allow ourselves to believe. But, you know, um, a passage that really has been helpful to me in the process of um, of coming out the other side of weight loss and like going forward and coming to terms with body image and just all these, you know, all the issues that are encapsulated in 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 the topic. Um, you know, it's a very famous thing. It's in from Psalms and it's like, you know, it's uh, the writers talking to God basically and saying, you know, for you, it, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. It says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me 
when as yet there was none of them. So that whole idea, and that's a very famous phrase from scripture. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, which is every one of us. I mean, every one of us is made in the image of God. And that doesn't mean that your weight has any impact on that. You know, you're still made in the image of God, even if you struggle with obesity. You know, um, you should still strive for healthiness and getting healthier. But that doesn't mean that you have any less dignity or any less humanity or anything like that. Um, and, you know, it also says, you know, First Corinthians is, you know, there's a, a, a passage that tends to be thumped on people uh, in an ungracious way, which is the whole idea of your body being a temple to be taken care of, um, which is true. Your body is a temple. You know, the body is the home for your soul, in my, in my view. Um, but it's also a sacred thing that we're supposed to take care of. Um, so finding the balance of being, yes, we need to take care of that, but also like, let's not worship it either. You know what I mean? So, um, and we're called to glorify God in our body. So doing our best to take care of our bodies as well. But it's kind of, and that's there again is that balance. We're called to take care of ourselves and to come alongside other people to take care of themselves and to help care for one another. But at the same time, like, you, you know, I want everyone listening to know that like you are beautifully and wonderfully made too. And you know, your dignity is not, is, is in the fact that you're created by God and you're made to the image of God that you're not, um, your, your, your dignity is not tied to your pant size or anything like that or the number on the scale. So that, that to me is something really important. And, um, you know, I feel very strongly about that. Well, I, I think there's, that's, that's a powerful message for everyone, regardless of what their faith is. You know, that idea that that idea that, you know, your dignity isn't tied to your weight and that there's something, you know, wonderful there in you uh, is just really. I, I think you're right. Like, I think we lose sight of that. I, I think that self-loathing can get so powerful that that we forget about those other elements and we do start to just identify as our weight, whether we're still obese or we've lost the weight, we still just identify you know, by that number, instead of who we are as people and, and, you know, kind of what is really what, who we are as spiritual beings. Like I, I know for me, you know, as someone on my journey, like finding a greater connection to my, to my spirit, to my, to my faith and, and just to my mind, you know, my mindset and, and who I am as a person became really important as a part of, of, of that journey became something that was really essential for me. And I think people, what, I, I, I know there's probably someone listening who's like, well, I don't believe in X and I don't believe in Y and, and all of that. And that's fine. Like, that's not what we're saying. Like, what I think is important to, to think about is you can't just approach your journey as changing the number on the scale. Because if you focus on just changing the number on the scale, you're going to miss out on everything else. That one is fantastic about you as a person, but also you're going to miss out on the other things that you need to work on. Like, I, I think that's an essential part of what you've talked about is you, you, you initially thought that losing the weight would fix other problems and then you lose the weight and realize it doesn't. And I think that's such a common experience. You know, this, if I just lose that 10 pounds, I lose that 50 pounds, I lose that 500 pounds, everything else will fall in line and some things get better, you know, mobility, breathing, you know, a lot, there are some things that get better, but your energy, your ability to focus, things can change in, in great ways. But if you don't turn that same discerning eye that you turn to the challenge of, of dealing with your obesity to the rest of your life, you're not going to find any change in those other areas. So I, I think it's, 
I think that's a really great message. And and then I I think you kind of some you you bring us through this idea of of getting into the journey now, really really well by by talking about just the 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 phrase and it stuck out to me when you wrote it to me and it, it sticks out again when you said it. You know, be kind to yourself. You know, above all else, you know, like in if in this moment you can't. You don't need to accept your body the way it is if you want to change, like all of those things. But like, still remember, you deserve to treat yourself with kindness. Because let's be realistic. We often treat ourselves so much worse than we would ever treat any other human being. Oh, absolutely. You know, we, we say the thing, like you talked about, you know, we say those things to ourselves that if we said that to another, we heard someone say that to another person, we would slap them in the mouth probably. You know, <laughs> right. like we would absolutely. not only... We would we we would not allow that to happen. Like if you came upon someone standing over someone saying, "You're an ugly fat piece of crap," you're you know all of these things that we've said to ourselves, we would be dumbstruck with the gall that that person has. Yet we do it to ourselves all the time. So I think that's really key, and that's something that I've I've been learning recently. Is like I need, I I need to still remember like. The, the the metaphor that jumped into my head that I don't even know if is, is appropriate or not was like the idea that someone who does something like climbs a mountain or or runs a marathon and finishes that race and is surrounded by people who are cheering for them. But in their head, they're thinking, yeah, but I didn't hit the time I wanted to hit. I, you know, I didn't I didn't I didn't go. I didn't go as fast as I wanted to go. I like or even I've spoken to guys that have lost 200, 300 pounds. But when they're talking to me, they say, yeah, but I didn't, I didn't lose it as fast as you did. Like one of the biggest mottos in my life, because I struggle with it, not because I can preach it, is, you know, uh, Teddy Roosevelt is credited with saying, like, comparison is the thief of joy, which, which I, have, I have that up on my mirror at home. I mean, that has really been become uh, a mantra of sorts for myself. It, and, and it applies to so many things. I mean, you know, we all have different struggles with that. But that really, I mean, comparison is the thief of joy. You know, you can, whatever it is, there's always somebody else who did something differently or better or or whatever the case may be. And it's easier said than done, but it's just do, it's doing us no favors to compare. You're like, oh, I'm so, and I live in New York City. And so, you know, no matter what you accomplish, somebody else is doing more. Or whatever you have, somebody else has more. You know, whatever it is you're doing, someone's doing more. Yeah, and that's the case everywhere. It's just really, you know, it's very pronounced here. But um, so you have to just like whatever your walk of life is, but weight loss included. Comparison is absolutely the thief of joy. So, you know, for me, when I go into the gym now and CrossFit, you know, I see, I mean, some of these people, they look like they've been carved out of marble, like in the Renaissance. I swear. It's like these guys are so fit. And I'm just like, oh, I'll never be that. So I shouldn't even go. But like, that's not the point at all. <laughs> it's not at all. So, and, and, and the same thing, like you were talking about that, you know, I think it and celebrate your progress too. I mean, that's that I think we, we sometimes forget in, our, in life. It's like celebrating your progress. I just had a moment like this in doing CrossFit stuff. I mean, there's the movements are very complicated sometimes. And I still, like I said, I feel like the fat kid in gym quest even now. And um, I was feeling, I'm like some movements, and things really frustrate me. My mobility is extremely limited, um, so I can't even do. So I have to do like these silly modifications. This seemingly they look like silly modifications. And then a coach came up to me the other day. She's great. She was like, she did but one of my introductory classes, and a friend of my wife and myself. And she was like, Ryan. She's like, you are doing like your X, Y, and Z. It doesn't even matter. 
She's like, it's so much better than it was. She was like, you got X amount of weight. And like, I wouldn't have even noticed it. I wouldn't have even thought about it. I'm still like, well, I can't do it as much as this guy over here. I can't do as much as this person over here. But for me, it's been tremendous progress. Like I couldn't, I didn't, wasn't able to go into like an, a full squat position. And now I can do a whole lot of, you know, whatever. The minutia is not important. But, um, you know, just because I don't look like this dude over here who's like a CrossFit Games athlete doesn't mean that my progress is not valid for myself. So, you know, comparison, the thief of joy for sure. I think that just boiling down to what we were talking about, you know, to those points is really, really salient. Like we've been talking for a while, so I don't want to keep you on all night, but I do want to I want to give you a chance. So, Ryan, what what comes next for you in your journey? Like what are, what are the next steps for you? Yeah, that's a question I've been asking myself a lot lately. Um, so, you know, I'm still trying to find, um, I'm still trying to develop a good rhythm and a good balance for what it looks, for what food looks like for me now. Um, and so this year has been sort of a lot of trial and error in that sense, like trying to figure out just how much can I, um, what kinds of things can I indulge in and how much and like dessert and all these kinds of things. So just finding a balance. So in terms of big projects related to that, you know, I'm trying to shave off another 20, 30 pounds again, actually, but trying to do it in a more gradual, holistic way than when I did it before. So it's going to involve exercising. It's going to involve making modifications to diet that still can support the level of exercise I do because I don't want to give up going to the gym and doing all that stuff. So that's a thing for me. So that's what comes next, really, is I'm still hashing out that balance. You know, I think in a lot of cases I will be for, you know, indefinitely. Um, you know, I'm committed to not going back to where I was before. Uh, in terms of weight, but that's, you know, that's what's next for me and, um, and get into that rhythm of life. And I just got married a couple of months ago. So figuring that out is, is a project unto itself. Well, she's not a project, you know what I mean? But that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a whole thing, figuring out life. And now you're going to have to figure out what happens when she hears you say that too. So that'll be, that, that'll exactly. be. Exactly. Well, I'll be sure to fast forward through that part when she plays it back. Uh, yeah. You'll be like, oh yeah, no, this was just the wrap up. We don't need to hear that. We know. We, yeah. We these are like the bloopers. We, yeah. We, we need to get to class. Um, but, Ryan, I honestly, I, I think listening, you know, to you talk today and tell me your story and talk about your experiences, like, I have no doubts that you're going to have the right mindset to be able to go into, you know, these next steps that are coming for you and, and figuring things out because you really, like you've, you've said, you know, you're, you're approaching things from a mindful standpoint now. So I, I just think that that's fantastic. And I, I think you should be, you know, celebrated for the work. Like, you, you know, one of the, again, we, you referenced it, but, you know, you said you don't feel like you have, you know, that outstanding of a story to tell, but I, I think you should, you know, receive some recognition for, for the work that you've done and your willingness to come on and just share these experiences you've had and you're having with people because I think it's going to be a lot of help for others. Well, I really appreciate that. And, you know, I take a lot of joy in being able to support other people in the process. It just means so much to me. Um, the fact that I was able to, with support of other people, you know, I didn't do it in like, I wasn't entirely alone losing weight. Um, but, uh, I'm so grateful for people who supported me and I'm so happy to be a person to, you know, in whatever way I can, whatever way, that's one of the reasons why I am so candid and okay with talking about the the story, because I know that it, it has the potential at least to, to help other, other folks as well. So, and I'm really, th and like I said before, I'm so thankful for the work you're doing and I, the way that you have really committed so much of your life to this work now um i think it's so important and so valuable and i i've gained a lot from it personally and I'm, i know lots of other people are too well well thank you i really appreciate that and and 
I want to give you a chance. We're gonna we're gonna move into the kind of the final segment, the the fat guy five that everyone's waiting for. But I want to give you a chance because you you brought up connecting with people. Like, so if people are hearing this and they want to connect with you, Ryan, what's the best way for people to do that? Yeah, I mean, I'm on Instagram. Um, my Instagram is just Mr. Lupka, like Mr. Period Lupka. Because I'm a teacher, so it's just like that's my teacher name. So it's funny um, to me, at least to me at the very least. Um, so yeah, I mean, your people are welcome to go on there. I don't have anything. Rem- it's just like my personal stuff. There's nothing super remarkable on there, but um, that you can find me on Instagram. Yeah, awesome. So I, uh, you know, I because I think you know people might have questions. They want to, you know, even just kind of have been generated for themselves from this. And I'm, I know it's something you're willing sure. to talk. To, you're I'm, willing to talk to people I'm so about. Open so about that. Yeah, that's fantastic. More than happy to. So we are going to move into. The, our final, this, this is, you can start, you can hit play again, you know, if your wife's listening, because we're going to move into the, 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 close, <laughs> right. the closing segment. If you listen to the show before, you know it's coming. The Fat Guy 5. This is how we end yeah. every episode of the Fat Guy Forum. Uh, we're going to take Ryan through it now, and, and then we will sign off. But first, Ryan, let's, let's do question number one, which is, okay, living or dead, Ryan, who is your favorite fat guy? Mm, I thought about this a lot, and it's easy for me. There's two: John Candy, and also I think John Panette, mm. the comedian. Both of them. That I just, I've always just had, you know, it's uh, deep admiration for both of them. I wish, you know, I could have met them both in person. And uh, you know, uh, it's both like a celebration and and uh, and mourning, you know, because both lovely people and you know, tragic early deaths because mm. of obesity. Agreed, man. And and I for I'm happy that for the first time in a while someone hasn't said Chris Farley and has said John Candy instead because I'm uh John Candy's one of my dudes. So like I oh, and he John, has such a warm place in my heart. Oh, and John Panette as well. So like that's I, I think those are great choices, yeah. man. Uh question, I think everyone can identify with Panette a little bit, but uh, yeah, this, this oh. is the fast round, so we'll keep oh, going. Yeah. No, 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 oh no. Like <laughs> I think if people haven't heard the comedy of John Panette, like Go back and one, you're gonna laugh your butt off because like when mm-hmm. he starts to riff on like buffets in Las Vegas and oh yeah, you know the the when he does the Wizard of Oz buffet routine, like it's it's completely mm-hmm. it's incredibly hilarious. But also so he it. bring he brings a lot of realness to his story as well, which I always thought was great. Um, yeah. Question number two. Question number we won't before we get too melancholy, we'll move on to question number two. Sure, right. And we'll we'll, we'll reminisce about other things to mourn, and that's let's talk about. When you were at your heaviest, uh, and you were you were living that your life as a fat guy, what was your quintessential fat guy meal? Mm, I think probably like Chinese takeout was the thing. I mean, living uh, living in New York City, it's just so easy to get like all the time. So Chinese takeout or Italian food as well, which I still love. I mean, I feel like death now when I eat Chinese food because I'm eating so healthy, but it's, I still delve in there once in a while. There you go. There you, you just face the consequences of what happens now when you when you indulge. In <laughs> right. I had I had creme brulee Saturday night at my company holiday party. Oh yeah, that, that was amazing. I had some gastrointestinal consequences later from that. That we we oh, won't. I have get, no doubt. We won't get into here because I talk enough about my bathroom habits on this show. So we'll we'll move on. <laughs> we'll 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 luckily move on for people. Uh, question number three. Thinking about people that are out there listening that want to get their journey started, Ryan, what is your number one piece of advice to 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 a fat guy out there listening that that wants to get on the road for himself? Yeah, um, everybody has had a day one. Like I remember my day one, and I'm sure you do too. And 
you're going to have a day one and uh, you need to just go for it. Like be willing to commit to something. And if it doesn't work, you'll have to adapt your methods. But, you know, embrace that. Embrace, you know, having day one. There we go. I like it. I like it a lot. Ryan, question number four. What person, podcast, book, resource would you recommend to someone that needs motivation? Um, you know, it's an easy one to say yours because I think it's important. Um, but a podcast that I think a lot of guys on here might enjoy is the art of manliness. Um, if anyone's not familiar with it's, uh, I've read the blog for many years and, um, the, the podcast, to be frank, the topics are sort of hit or miss, um, at least for my own personal interest, but I recommend that they, they do get into issues of men's health and, and sort of issues sort of like you do in a similar sense. It's like being very candid and things that people what guys might be insecure to talk about you know people want to be manly macho but it's not about being macho the other manliness it's about like uh you know coming just being a grown-up is really more more than whatever more than what it is there's a great episode on there about the uh, the uh the adonis complex it's a book that was written maybe some people were familiar with it um which was very helpful to me it's the whole thing about male body image so i would check that out definitely I, that's a great it's a great podcast and like you said I think sometimes the topics are a little hit or miss. Some, I, I'll sometimes pull up the new one and be like, "Yeah, I'll get." Let yeah, me give like, this no a, thanks. Let, <laughs> let me give it. Yeah. Let me, I start to give it a chance, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, I shouldn't give this a chance." But I think it's the same thing. I'm sure the people do that with this show too. So, but there's some <laughs> some some great nuggets of wisdom and perspective. I, I think on that show. Yeah. So that's a, that's that's a resource. The website is extremely well written, and the. It, but uh, yeah, the, the the podcast is not the forte, but it's good. You know, there's 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 gold in there if you sift a little bit. Like it's perfect. You know, it's got some got some perfect moments. And then Ryan, lastly, question number five: What is one of your not? We talked a little about some of like your weight loss and fitness goals and things along those lines tonight. Like what's coming next for you? But what is one non-fitness or weight loss goal that you have for yourself for the next year? Uh, well, for the next year, my my wife and I are preparing for a big transition. We're moving across the country, most likely. She's beginning grad school, and uh, I'll be I'll be starting a new job. Oh, wow. I hopefully. Um, so, um, still in the same career as a music teacher, but you know, our goal it's it's sort of undefined in this in one sense. But you know, we're looking to you know, we're our goal and our our hope and dream is to find some new community when we move into another city and things like that. So that's a big. We're we're facing a pretty big life transition, you know, in that sense. Um, so that is our goal, you know, finding new community and um, and our you know goal too. And this is something that definitely goes on the record. Goal would be to you know invest a you know invest a lot in my marriage, you know, which is uh, easy to easy to say, but a lot harder to do. Well, I, I have no no doubts at all that those are going to be some goals that you you tackle over this next year, and and I look forward to seeing how that goes for you, man. Ryan, Ryan, thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us tonight and your perspective. Uh, I know it's been, you know, eye-opening for me in a lot of ways, and there's some things I feel like, you know, you've given me to help dive into for myself, so I appreciate it. Just, again, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us this week. Oh, it has been my, my pleasure, my privilege. Thank you. You're very, very welcome. So, everyone, you know to go find Ryan, Mr. Lupka, Mr. Dot Lupka on Instagram. You can find me, your host, Gourmet, on Instagram as well, of course, at Gourmet underscore goes underscore keto. Uh, I'll be there for you. I do want to point out something that I, I don't share a lot on the actual show, but in the show notes, there's a couple different links for programs that I'm an affiliate with, uh, Redmond Life Salt, 
select savory seasonings. You know, I, I, I've never really shilled before, but I feel like someone said to me, I never realized those links were in the show notes. That's all in the show notes if you ever want to check that stuff out. I only, I only put things in there or products that I use on the daily myself. So take a look at that if you're ever interested. Or, hey, get mad that you're not interested and drop me a DM and let me know what you think about the episode and about me talking about links. I would love to hear from you either way because I just love talking to y'all. And because I want to remind you, well, yeah, don't forget, you can also email the show at thefatguyforum at gmail.com. Find me on Twitter at GourmetGoesKeto, yada, 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 thousand points of light. There you go. My friends, do something today to amaze yourself because you are all really amazing people. And I, I truly, truly believe that. And sometimes you don't believe that in yourself. Um, you know, you got to take advice from someone else outside who's going to remind you that, that you're an amazing person. So be sure to do that and catch us again. And hey, next time you hear me talk, it's going to be next year. Even if I'm still recording in 2019, you're not going to hear it till then. So have a great new year, everybody. And we'll be back with you real soon here on the Fat Guy Forum. Mm-hmm.